Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, um, had an opportunity this time to talk to a full-time lawyer who also coaches high school football in Texas, right? Yes. Two highest level of things. It's like courtroom and then packed stadiums before COVID. Maybe during even COVID because Texas was open pretty fast, but um, just the two highest stakes in, you know, in the job, it's like football in Texas and courtroom. And it was just incredible to, to hear his story. Um, our guest this week is Clint Schumacher. Um, he is a eminent domain um, lawyer who a few years ago got the itch that Coach Marin talked about in the, our first episode, got the itch to start coaching. And, and decided to start coaching his kids in uh, middle school. And now he is a uh, high school football coach. And he, he recently wrote a book called Second Wind about resilience and how that applies to life, law, and, and, and sports as well. And Chad, I want to tease out, before you say anything, I want to tease out one story. And he's going to tell a story about a donkey who fell into a well, who is a great picture of resilience. What did you like about this episode? Yeah, this was probably by far our, our most articulate and well-spoken of guests and um, really, really loved it. Um, I, I think our listeners are going to enjoy what he has to say about uh, overcoming adversity and resilience. And then what are some commonalities uh, within the, the courtroom and, and the athletic field? I think those are things to look forward to here in this episode, and we're ready to get into it right now. Coach Schumacher, thank you so much for being on the Christian Coach Podcast. Um, it's a privilege to have you here. As you know, we always start with the same question, and that's, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Hey, happy to answer that. And first of all, let me say thank you for having me on the show. It's a great honor. I'm such a big fan of what you guys are doing and uh, such a worthy endeavor coaching coaches who are making a difference in the world. And so thank you so much for asking me to join you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, being a Christian coach to me is really my ministry, and we'll probably get into this some, but you know, I don't do it as a full-time profession. And so uh, the reason I do it is because it makes such a tremendous impact on the kids that I get to coach. It's by far the most impactful ministry that, that I have because you know kids give their coach a special measure of access that they don't give other people. And so uh, by, being, by being a good coach, it gives me some leverage to speak, hopefully, words of life into them. And that's why I do it. Yeah. Well, you, you did mention a little bit, you, coaching is not your uh, profession, your full-time job. Give us a little bit more about your background, um, what you do, um, you know, uh, you know, for, for a living. Um, yeah. And how did you get into coaching? Yeah, thanks. Happy to do that. So I'm a full-time lawyer. I went to uh, law school and graduated in 1997 and I practiced in Dallas, Texas. And um, maybe 10, 11 years ago, I started coaching in youth ball as my kids were coming up uh, through the, the youth sports programs and just really loved it. I, uh, of course, was an athlete growing up and, and had a very fond regard for my coaches. And so then when I got a chance to do it, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And as my kids kind of came up through the youth programs, the, the school, the private school that they attend, asked if I would come and join the staff initially as a middle school coach. And I said, there's just no way I can do that. I just don't have time to do that. 
but then it was all I could think about for two, for two weeks, coach. And so I started trying to figure out, man, how can I make that work in my schedule and, and found some ways and talked to my, my law partners at the time about how can we make this work? And we made it work. Uh, and, and it's just been, um, you know, it's very, very fulfilling. And so uh, I eventually moved up through middle school and I'm now coaching varsity high school football in Texas, which is a great yeah. honor and privilege. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see, I see videos, I see movies with uh, Texas high school games and it's just massive stadiums um, more sometimes bigger, uh, you know, a little bit bigger than uh, uh, some university stadiums. Um, and it's a, uh, seems like great fun. Um, and there's, there's no doubt, you know, I mean, I, I get to, I tell people I get to work in two of the most competitive environments around, which is the courtrooms and football fields of Texas. And by far the football field in Texas is a lot more intense <laughs> on Friday night uh, than even the courtroom in the middle of a trial. Maybe because there's not as many fans maybe in, in the courtroom. Uh, not, not as many fans. <laughs> that's right. And the, the decisions come faster. So uh, absolutely. That's great. Um, what are, are there any commonalities between the courtroom and a football game, for example, that, that you can transfer that knowledge or those skills between the two? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so a lot of, you know, a lot of the law practice and I do, I do commercial litigation or business real litigation around real estate issues, what we call eminent domain. And so inevitably in the, in the law practice, you know, there's a lot of strategy involved. You know, if I do this, my opponent's going to do that, or if I do this. And so you're trying to think four or five steps ahead to make sure that you're giving your client the best chance to be successful with his or her case. And of course you have the same thing in football. I mean, every Friday night, we're going to go on, uh, go, go in and strap it on against somebody. And we better have a game plan that works because, you know, rest assured our opponent is. And, and so you've got that same uh, piece of strategy, but then, you know, of course in coaching, like in everything, a, a lot of it's relationships. And the same thing is true in the law practice, whether it's relationships with your client or with the judge or with opposing counsel. And so much of coaching is building a, a meaningful and productive relationship with our athletes. And so that certainly, uh, that certainly translates, you know, and the other thing is, is dealing with failure. Uh, so as a coach, you know, we deal with failure. Um, our athletes deal with failure. We better be able to teach them how to deal with failure. And the same thing is true in law practice because it's some, to some extent, it's a competitive environment. You know, there's going to be times you're going to lose, you're going to lose a motion. You're going to lose a trial. Uh, and, and you got to pick yourself up off the canvas, learn what you did wrong, figure out how to do it better. And we get to see that all the time uh, and with a greater velocity in, in, uh, in athletics. What, what are some of the ways that you, I know obviously you have a limited time because of your law practice, but what are some of the ways that you do get to know those players on a more personal basis so that you can pour into them? Oh man, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, so we, of course, the, I've got the time that I see them in person. I'm not as much as maybe a coach that's full time on campus. So as you say, I've got to come up with other ways to do it. And I try to leverage technology where I can. So, you know, we've got, in fact, I sent out a text message this morning to my offensive line group. So I try to keep up with them by text. I'll normally, I'll send out a video. Uh, we're now in a series as we're getting ready to come into spring practice where I try to send them once a week, a two to three minute video to talk about, you know, something that we're going to learn on the field, but I'll slip in something about, you know, learning about life as well. So I really try to, even though I can't be there with them physically, I try to leverage technology so that I can keep a message in front of them, even if I'm not on, in the same building or on the same campus with them. Yeah. 
I think football, um, when, I, when I think about football, the, the, the first word that comes to my mind is resilience mm. because their bodies get beat down, their minds get beat down, and there's so much failure involved that you have to be able to bounce back, you know? Yeah. And I'm a tennis coach, so I talk about with my players about bounce back ability. So I bounce a tennis ball on the ground and it bounces back up. And I said, we have to be just like a tennis ball. You know, you're mm. always going to, there'll be moments when you go down, but make sure that you do come up. Um, I like that. I like that analogy. Do you mind if I steal it? No, you can take okay, it. Okay, good. All right, good. <laughs> um, and, you know, with law, you know, it's always, nobody's calling you because their life is going well. Mm, that's right. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Nobody needs a lawyer when their life is going perfect. That's exactly right. Um, and you, you ended up writing a book coming out here soon about yeah. resiliency, right? Is that yes. um, called Second Wind? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, thank you for asking me about that. So, um, absolutely. And your analogy is apt. And so, you know, as you say, you know, we don't get a call from a client saying, man, everything's going great. Can I hire you? As you say, it's, they've got some problem in their life they can't solve by themselves. So they call and, and we get the chance to help. Um, and, and so I had kind of all that background, but then where the book really got birthed was on the sideline of all things of a fifth grade football game. We had, we were playing in a, the league championship. We had a, had had a very successful season. In fact, we'd had two successful seasons in a row and this team had won 21 games in a row and we're playing the championship game and things do not start off. Well, uh, we get behind early. And then my player's eyes started getting really wide and you could see and feel the anxiety setting in. And then by the third and fourth quarter, they started tapping out. I mean, the team, you know, the team quit. And so we're walking off the field, we lose and we're walking off the field and, and I was frustrated with the kids. How could they do this? Um, you know, how could they have experienced so much success and then, then really wilt in the face of, uh, you know, a game not starting off well for them. And so for about two weeks, I was fuming over that. And then, you know, this, this phrase that we all hear came careening into my head, which is as a coach, everything you see on the field, you either taught or you allowed it to happen. And I thought, wow, I, you know, I, I, I've been frustrated with the kids, but what really happened is I didn't prepare them to deal with adversity. And so I had some 11 and 12 year old boys who for the first time in two years were behind in a football game and they were in real time trying to figure out how do I, as you say, bounce back. And so I realized, man, that's a big hole in my coaching. And I, and before the next season, I was determined to figure out how do you teach and, and can you teach, can you coach resilience and so I went into this kind of deep dive of what do the best coaches do in terms of teaching resilience? Can it be taught? Is it innate? Is it something that can be learned? And so I started trying to pull together materials really so that I could be a better coach uh, the next year. And so then over the last several years, I've really continued that study and ultimately decided to put it into the book, which, as you mentioned, is called Second Wind, uh, which is you know now available in pre-order on Amazon and on May seventh will be fully released in in um, hardback and paperback and ebook and audiobook and so and it's really about um, decisions that the resilient make to overcome adversity. As I was studying it, there was a series of decisions that the super resilient made, and and, and I found that yes, it can be taught. It is there are certain innate qualities, but you can get better at resilience. If you decide that you want to do it and you make these same decisions that the resilient make. And, and uh, so, um, as I say, I put it in the book and hopefully it'll be helpful to somebody that needs it.
Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. Uh, one, you also given at least two TED talks that I was able to find on, yeah. uh, on, is that, is that all the top TED talks? That, that's all that's, the TED talks. That's, that's two right. more than most coaches. So, uh, <laughs> I was very happy to see that. Um, yeah. and in it, you, you talk about a formula E plus R equals O. Yeah, can you, you explain, can you explain that a little bit to us and how that relates to resilience? Absolutely. So, yeah, as best I can tell, this formula first showed up in Jack Canfield's um, book called Success Principles. Jack's a very well-known author. And and to me, it was very enlightening when 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 I would start to both analyze how do I become resilient and how do I teach resiliency in athletes. And the formula is this. It's the event plus our response to the event brings about the outcome ultimately that we receive. So E event plus R response equals O outcome. And I think for a lot of people, the adverse event then controls the outcome. And they think something bad has happened to me and there's no way for me to meaningfully deal with this. And it, it has such a tremendous then impact on the outcome or whatever comes next in their life. But when you start to have the mindset that, look, the event is just the event. And what really governs the outcome or what's going to happen to me because of that event is how I respond to it. Am I going to look at this as a, as a place where I can grow? Am I going to look at this as a place where I can seek resources from other people to help me deal with whatever this adverse, ad, uh, adverse event is? And until I apply a response, and as I reply a more meaningful response, you know, then I can really govern an outcome and an and a, a adverse event, an obstacle can really be a period of growth if I respond to it in, in a really meaningful and positive way. As followers of Christ, how, how do you think we can handle that in a, in, a, in a way that is maybe different from the secular world? You know, I think we have a special, unique ability to deal with adversity as, as Christians. And, and this really came out in the interviews that I was doing for the book. I mean, people of faith, first of all, have an outlook that's longer term, longer focus in nature. You know, whatever happens to us in this world isn't ultimately what decides our fate. It's our relationship with Christ. It's the spirit working within us. And so we automatically have a longer term focus than the world that I think helps us deal with adversity in a much better way. But then, you know, you can look at all these stories in the Bible about, about the characters in our faith who dealt with adversity and the way they dealt with adversity. And you can see this long arc that God creates, the long arc of history that God creates and how he uses adverse events to bring about positive events in his kingdom and in his followers' lives. And, you know, I love the story of Paul because Paul dealt with so much adversity in his life, but in his writing, you see how he talked about his mindset in dealing with the adversity meaningful reason for nothing that he had done wrong. And he writes to his followers, Hey, you know, while I was here in jail, I got to meet these very influential members of Roman society and share the gospel with them. And had I never been in jail, I would have never had that opportunity. And so when we start to see adversity with that lens, gosh, God has put me in a unique position to deal with this adverse circumstance. And then as I deal with it and solve it and get on past it, there's going to be people coming behind me, and now I'm uniquely situated to, to minister to them because of the experience that I had. 
And so I think as Christians, we just have a unique perspective that really helps us deal with adversity in a much more productive way. Yeah. Uh, Paul is just unbelievable. You know, he's just, you know, he writes, he's been, he's been able to find, find happiness regardless if it's high or in a low, you know, yeah. and consider it, consider it all joy, all Pure the joy. trials. That's right. It's just, uh, it's just crazy to have that kind of, you know, it's easy for us to read and be like, we want to be like Paul, but in those moments of true tribulation in our lives, it's, uh, it's hard to have that mentality, but it is important for us to seek and continue to strive for it. Yeah. And, and coach, you know, I think particularly, you know, I grew up in the church and I, I've heard Bible studies since I was little and, and I had faithful parents and I'm enormously blessed by that. But one of the downsides of that is you begin to take for granted these stories that you hear as a kid until you really sit down and think about, man, look at all the things Paul walked through. And as you say, you know, he considers them pure joy. And once you start to really realize that and put yourself in Paul's shoes, you're like, man, that is really impactful. And how strong his faith in Christ had to be to have that same mindset. And then the best thing for us as Christian coaches is, hey, that same power is available to us. And as we begin to incorporate that and in how we deal with adversity and our athletes see that and we model that for them and we message that for them, man, what a tremendous influence that we have. Yeah. Easter was just a few weeks ago and we were talking yeah. to our team um, and one girl, you know, spoke up and said, it's just hard to believe that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in us right now. Mm, wow. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that sometimes we take that for granted. It's very <laughs> insightful. Yeah. And very I was like, insightful. bingo, you, you figured it out. You know, yeah. this is, and hopefully you don't forget that. And you're always reminded of that fact. Absolutely. Um, but from a 19 year old girl to figure that out is uh, pretty, pretty cool to see. That's, that's uh, very insightful and, <laughs> yeah. and very mature. That's, yeah. that's excellent. Um, in one of your TED talks, you talk about the donkey story that falls yeah. into a well. Yeah. Can you can you tell us that story again? I think everybody would love to hear that. Oh, sure. No, yeah, be happy to. So, you know, there was a farmer that had a um, had an old donkey, and the donkey wandered off into a field. And out in that pasture, the back pasture, uh, the farmer had an old um, water well, very deep water well. And the donkey, who had poor eyesight, fell in that water well. And so he's braying loudly and the farmer hears him and, and he's concerned, of course. And so he goes back to see if he can figure out how to get the donkey out of the well, but the well's too deep and he can't figure out how to get the donkey out. And so he, he calls his neighbor, his neighbor comes over and begins to try to help him and, and they can't figure out any way to get this poor donkey out of the well. And so the farmers finally resigned to the fact there was nothing he could do to save this donkey. And he and his neighbor decide they, the only thing left for them to do is to fill in this well uh, one, to take the donkey out of his misery, but two, to make sure that this never, ever happened again. And so the two men take shovels and they begin to shovel dirt down into that well. And they're shoveling dirt and they're shoveling dirt. And at some point, they stop hearing the donkey's braying. And so the, the farmer is, you know, of course, thinks that, that this poor donkey is about to meet his end. And he looks down the well to look at his, you know, donkey one last time. And what he sees at first you know, concerns him. And then it amazes him because what has been happening is as this 
as they're shoveling dirt, it's hitting the donkey's back and the donkey's shaking it off and then stepping up on top of it. And as they would shovel dirt down the hole, it would hit the donkey's back. He would shake it off and he would step up on top and step up on top and step up on top. And so the two men continued to shovel dirt down this well and more and more dirt came down the well. The donkey would shake it off and step up until he got to the top of the well and could exit the well and trot off happily into the pasture. And so uh, that's my the donkey story, which I've stolen from somebody else. But I think it's a great analogy for how we can deal with trouble as trouble falls on us as we continue to shake it off and step up on top of it we can eventually rise above those circumstances that we have and it it all ties back to the e plus r equals o our response to that event is what can define us instead of the adverse event itself yeah well coach thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast you bet. um we would love we would love to pray for you um what can we be praying for you Man, I thank you, first of all, uh, big believer in the power of prayer. So thank you for offering to do that. And if you would just pray for my relationships with my athletes and that God would grant me wisdom uh, to be his mouthpiece for them, that would be awesome. All right, let's get praying. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this conversation with Coach Schumacher. Thank you for his leadership in the courtroom and in the football field. And thank you that... He loves you first and foremost, and that he can share that love with everyone that he comes in contact with. Father, I pray that you you be the center of every relationship he builds with his family, with his clients, with his team, um, with his staff, and that, Lord, that he will be a mouthpiece of your um, of your love, a mouthpiece of um, of your or of your dedication to getting to know us, Lord. That you do want to want to know us more personally. And all we got to do is ask and, and be, be open to you, Father. Thank you so much for this conversation and uh, help us to glorify you and honor you in everything we say and do. Hear my prayer. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, uh, Coach Shoemaker. And um, I really love the thought on E plus R equals O. And I remember uh, reading that in an Urban Meyer's book, and um, just for, for me as a coach, I listened to this uh, on the way into work here today and just needing to step into my team situation and the adversity that my players need to uh, overcome. And Gian, just your, your phrase of bounceability as a tennis coach, I love that too. Um, and so just excited to take this right into to my practice and inspire my, my team with it. Yeah, the, the one thing I like, Chad, was um, his answer um, or his, he was making a comment about, you know, if things are happening within your team, you either taught them to do that or you allowed it to happen. And that when um, something's not going the way that you want it, it's most likely the coach is doing. You know, sometimes the coach did it intentionally and sometimes the coach didn't pay attention to what was happening, um, in, you know, in the dark or just wasn't paying attention to details. Um, Clint. Like he said in the book, uh, in the in the podcast, Chad, his book's coming out in May, and you can pre-order now on Amazon if you want it. It's called Second Wind. Um, and Chad, I was listening to John Acuff, who's an author and and speaker as well, and he said that um, ordering pre-ordering a book is like giving your future self a, a surprise because you order now and and you forget that you ordered it, and then a few weeks later it shows up in your door, and you're like, oh, what a nice surprise! Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I. Uh... I wanted to hear uh, some of the stories out of the book, and uh, and I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad that you guys didn't get into it because now I'm just gonna have to go read the book. But uh, really exciting uh, theme and and much needed. All right, Coach, thank you so much for joining us once again. 
Um, thank you so much for filling out the surveys that, that we that we sent out uh, last week. Um, getting great feedback. Um, and coach, always remember, the mission field is right where you're at.